Well, it's nice to be back in Dundonald, especially on Easter Sunday morning, the best Sunday in the year, uh, Easter Sunday. And uh, thank you, Philip, for the kind words of welcome this morning. And it's nice to see a lot of people that I've known down through the years and renew fellowship again. Uh, when Philip Hill spoke to me, well, he phoned me up one day and he says, will you do a couple of things for me? But I thought it was really answers to questions that he wanted answered, uh, which you always get worried if Philip Hills is asking you for answers. But um, then he talked about preaching. And I can remember preaching for him in Swansea on an Easter Sunday morning. And probably about the worst sermon that ever I preached. And I thought that he would avoid having me here on an Easter Sunday. But obviously his memory's not as good as it used to be. And uh, he'd forgotten all about that. So here we are, and we just thank you for the welcome. Thank God for the feeling of excitement in the place. And we thank God for all that David has been doing and Phil here's doing as you wait for Malcolm coming. Uh, I've no longer any responsibilities in Elam or anything like that. My days of that have long since gone. But don't forget, at their best, there are three men. They need the help of God. They need your prayers. And don't expect things that are beyond reasonable expectation. Just expect them to work hard. So there we are. May God bless you all. John's Gospel and the 20th chapter. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have led him. Verse 11, But Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping, and as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. Then they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have led him. Now when they had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have led him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say, teacher. And we know God will bless the reading of his word to our hearts. If I were to give a title this morning to what I want to say, it would be simply this. Resurrection, fact or fiction. We could ask ourselves the question this morning, 
Does it matter whether or not Christ rose from the dead? Is Easter really something about nothing? Has what took place on the 5th of April, A.D. 32, any relevance whatsoever for us this morning on the first Sunday in April 2018? Well, let's have a look. In life, there are often things that we've been looking for, things that we've been planning for, things also that we have very often been asking for. And when we get the results of those things, they're not what we were expecting. In fact, we are bitterly disappointed. An application maybe for a job has been unsuccessful. Something else has happened and it has worked out negatively rather than the positive answer that we had anticipated. And at the time, there's a bitter disappointment. But then looking back maybe a few weeks or months or even years later, we come to realize that actually as far as that disappointment was concerned, the Lord had prepared some better thing. In other words, our disappointment was actually God's positive appointment for us. And this morning, on the greatest morning of all mornings in the Christian calendar, aren't we glad that what the disciples were looking for when they came to the tomb, they didn't find. They were looking not for an empty tomb. They weren't actually looking for a risen Christ. They were looking for a tomb in which a body had been led and that that body was still there. They were looking for Something not to have happened to what Joseph of Arimathea had done when he took that body from the cross. They sought an occupied tomb. But thankfully this morning, they found a vacant tomb. The tomb was empty. There was no body there. That was always God's sovereign plan. As far as God was concerned, nothing had gone wrong. Everything was just as it was prophesied that it would be. It had been said that Christ would rise. There would be no better outcome for what happened upon the cross than the fact that there was an empty tomb vacated by Jesus Christ himself. Many Easter's ago, on the weekend of the 16th of April, 15th and 16th of April, 1941, some of you would remember it more clearly than others. I see Tommy smiling there. Um, the German Air Force blitzed Belfast. However, nearly 2,000 years 
Before that, Christ, the Son of God, destroyed sin, hell, and the grave at the battle on Golgotha's hill between Christ and the devil. Certain things happened to this city in 1941, but thank God for what happened for us back at Golgotha's hill and at, Cal at the tomb when Jesus Christ rose again from the dead. We are reaping the benefits of that this morning. Let's be thankful to Almighty God for gifts, for benefits, and for things that we have today that we never would have had had it not been for a risen, glorified, magnified, mighty Christ on this Lord's Day morning. Subsequently, we now can preach a life-changing, a sin-defeating message, which this morning is vibrant, which this morning is victorious. It vibrates without one iota of error or even one seed of decay. The result of the Golgotha victory is God's saving grace. His dying on the cross, his leaving the tomb causes us to gather and to sing this morning the songs that we've been singing and we can put them under one heading. Hallelujah. What a saviour. What we enjoy follows that vacant tomb today. Our faith is crowned. We are justified. We are vindicated because of that tomb. They took him. They led him up on a tree. But do you know something? Christ raised them from the dead. The resurrection gave to the disciples all the confidence and all the boldness that they needed to spread the good news of the gospel. It was the victory sign of his death. It was the clear, public, visible appearance that he arose, he could authentically cry out, it's finished. God was satisfied with what he had done upon the cross. And God's satisfaction was the approval of Christ's death. When he died on the cross, it was finished as far as the Father was concerned. When he died upon the cross, it was finished as far as the Son was concerned. And thank God this morning, it's finished as far as you and I are concerned if we have known God's forgiven grace. There's nothing to be added to it. It's finished this morning because... 
the sinless Savior died. My soul is counted free, for God is satisfied. That's the point this morning. God is satisfied. For the early church, it put fire in their bones. It put life into their words. It put wind into their sails. It put authority into their testimony. The fiercest opposition that they encountered couldn't in any way stop the spreading flame of the gospel. Peter, that man who was weak and wobbly and all over the place before the death of Christ, after he arose, went back again to glory, as you'll be hearing about tonight, Peter was able to stand up and say, you men crucified him, but Christ raised him from the dead. That gave Peter the assurance that he needed, the fire that he needed. Oh, don't think that it's nice to just be plausible and never to get excited about the good news of the gospel. Young people today, let it vibrate within your very being today. You have a right to be excited. You have a right to have fire in your bones. You have no right to be dead today. Let's stir up again the gift that is within us. Let's again wreck, as it were, the cinders. Some of you would know nothing about cinders or ashes because coal's not very often burnt now. But often you had to wreck the cinders to let some air in and to let the fire take loose. Maybe today we need rid of some cinders. Maybe today we need to be restoked again that we might go out as witnesses to Jesus Christ. You see, they were not only armed with his words, but on that resurrection morning, they hadn't only his spoken word that they had heard, but they were now looking at a risen Christ. And our belief in the resurrection takes us far beyond any graveyard, any cremation garden. His resurrection this morning is our hope that all who die trusting in him will rise again, including those in unknown and on, and on marked graves, those whose bodies nobody knows anything about, maybe lost at sea, maybe taken away and buried for various and different reasons. The Lord knows nothing about an unmarked grave. The Lord knows nothing about an unknown person. 
He knows us all this morning. And one day those of us who know him and love him will rise again from north, south, east, and west. The resurrection of Jesus Christ gives us the confidence this morning to proclaim the message that our mortality will be set aside and we'll put on immortality. The resurrection not only validates the death of Christ, but guarantees all our hopes for the future and that all his promises will come true. Do you know what the resurrection is this morning? Simply, it's the foundation stone for what we sing, what we believe, and what we preach. We build it all today on the resurrection. So does the resurrection matter? Well, if there was no resurrection, Christ's body would be lying this morning in corruption in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. The promises of his second coming would be worthless and his teachings would hold no credibility beyond the teachings of Buddha, Mohammed, Confucius, Joseph Smith, or any other modernist who mocks the literal body, body resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is the lie of Satan. It's the lie of liberal clerics. When they want you to believe that there was no resurrection, what they're doing, they're seeking to discredit the evidence and to pour scorn upon the miraculous. Ridiculous theories to discredit Jesus Christ. Some say that it was a spiritual resurrection, not a bodily resurrection. Do you know this morning... He arrived on earth in a miraculous manner. He laid down his life in a miraculous act. He dismissed his spirit when he was upon the cross in a miraculous speech. And now miraculously, he has left a sealed tomb with 60 guards around it, a stone over the mouth of it, he has stepped out of it. He has walked away from it in a miraculous, dynamic fashion. That's what Jesus has done. Do you know, after 40 days, he ascended in a miraculous manner, having shown himself to a large company of people. And one day, he's coming back again in a miraculous way. Everything to do with Jesus is about the miraculous this morning. So let's not try today in any way to undermine the miraculous. Annie Johnson Flint, whoever she might be, I haven't a clue, but she penned these words. If the Christ who died and stopped at the cross his work had been incomplete. If the Christ that was buried had stayed in the tomb, he had only known defeat. 
But the way of the cross never stops at the cross. And the way of the tomb leads on to victorious grace in the heavenly place where the risen Christ has now gone. Paul, in his letter to the church at Corinth in that 15th chapter, underlines what it would mean for us if Christ hadn't risen. He says to every preacher in here this morning, your preaching would be pointless if Christ is not risen. He says to every believer in here this morning, your faith is valueless. Your faith is also empty, we read. He says to those of us who believe in God's promises that your promises are toothless. We are found to be false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ whom he did not raise up. If in fact the dead do not rise. Eternity is hopeless. Your faith is futile and you're still in your sin. Your believing is purposeless if in this life only we have hope in Jesus Christ the Lord. Thank God this morning, that's not the case. Our preaching is not pointless. Our faith is not valueless. Our promises are not toothless. Our eternity is not hopeless. Our believing is not purposeless. Ian McPherson who was a revered apostolic preacher of days gone by, he made this point that three of Christ's enemies simply said, Judas, first of all, said to Christ, you shall not be. And he sold them for 30 pieces of silver. Caiaphas, secondly, said, you must not be. And he pronounced them worthy of death. Then Pilate said, you shall no longer be. And he had him crucified. But Jesus on the resurrection morning said, I am the resurrection and the life. Thank God this morning, Jesus Christ, as I heard the late David Aileen, who great minister in the Ulster Temple, so many years ago I heard him say on one occasion, Jesus Christ is not a has-been, he's the I am still alive today. Christ is risen from the dead. Life extends beyond the grave. Extends beyond every minister's committal prayer around the graveside. Our home is not in the cemetery today. Our home is beyond. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. He has been raised from the dead. He removes our guilt. It affirms that our punishment has been taken. Your sins have been dealt with. And you're safe today from eternal hell. Safe 
in the arms of Jesus, safe while opposition comes. Why? Because God hath highly exalted him and bestowed in him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth. In the last minutes, when faced with the facts of the resurrection, I believe this morning death has got to put its hand up and acknowledge that it's not stronger than God. Jesus had the power to take up his life again after his death and after his burial. A real resurrection followed a real death. Jesus just didn't swoon on the cross and then come back to life again in a cold tomb. How unbelievable is that? How unbelievable. When Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. He breathed his last. They may have crucified him, but it was God who raised him from the dead. And if we can just, in our remaining moments, walk tenderly with Mary. She comes to that tomb been carved out in a rock. Joseph had led the body of Jesus in there. A circular stone had blocked the entrance or sealed the entrance. And don't forget the Jews had heard him preach that he would rise again in three days. And even though they don't believe a word of it, Nevertheless, they are worried the same. Even though they don't believe him, they wanted Pilate to place a special guard at the tomb. In other words, they remembered how previously this man, Jesus, had done things that they never believed were possible. And now in their moments of thinking and doubting, they're worried that he might do something mighty again. All the miracles they had been part of, in their unbelief, they're questioning themselves. In their skepticism, they have doubts. In their dismissiveness, you English grammars put that. That's what happens when one, two, sempe, or there's a space. They have uncertainties. Keep Christ in the tomb, they're saying. No matter what you do, don't let him out, either dead or alive. Don't let his disciples come and, and take him away or steal him or something like that. Do you know the mission of these people, what it was? To save themselves from any embarrassments. What was the mission of Jesus? His mission was to save others. 
to save you and me. How futile to think they could keep the Son of God in the tomb when we know we can't stop the tide coming in. We can't stop the wind blowing. We can't stop the snow from falling. Or we can't stop the floods from rising. How could they stop Jesus Christ coming out of the tomb? Death could not keep its prey. Jesus, my Savior, he rolled the bars away. Jesus, my Lord, up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph for his foes. He arose a victor from the dark domain and he lives forever with the saints to reign. Hallelujah! What a Savior! They couldn't keep him in. No stone big enough heavy enough, strong enough, or guard tough enough to keep that stone secure. There was no dead body for Mary. The tomb was empty. So that Jesus Christ, having come from an empty tomb, could fill our empty hearts with life and peace. That small number who looked into an empty tomb were to become a mighty, irresistible, unstoppable force that's still growing this very day. And the church will grow again today. Somewhere on this planet, People will be getting saved again today. The church is still growing. Notice it was the women who led the way. They approached the tomb wondering who will roll the stone away. There ain't a man with us. It did look like a man's job. But on this occasion it was God's job. Divine omnipotence always conquers. Human impotence struggles and fails. The resurrection was the most explosive event in history and also the most dramatic. Christ meets Mary. And when he spoke that word, Mary, that was the initial evidence that he had risen. Now, maybe some of you biblical scholars will disagree with me. Well, that's fine. I usually have people who disagree with me, so let's keep it up. But (laughs) at that moment, he could have ascended into glory. Because once Mary had seen him resurrected, once he had said that word Mary and she had seen him and she realizes this is the Lord. But he doesn't go back at that moment. He makes a number of other appearances, 11. We haven't time to go through them all this morning. And then after that, even, he appeared to Stephen, didn't they? 
when Stephen was dying, he appeared to Saul on the Damascus Road, and he appeared to to John on the Isle of Patmos. And one of these days, he'll appear to you and me. And every eye shall see him. People will look upon him. So what's our conclusion? Something actually that David said when he was leading the table this morning so beautifully. Sometimes in church, there are people who in their spirit have already died. Dying before you die. Dying in spirit. You've become disappointed because of something that has happened. And you're dying inside this morning. Your spirit's broken. A broken home. A broken heart. A broken hope. Something has died in you. Life has expired. You're a shadow of your former past. You remember the days when there was wind in the sail. When there was fire in your bones. When there was life pulsating within your very being. But it seems to have disappeared. On this resurrection Sunday morning. Christ can resurrect. The dying embers. Christ can reverse. The spirit of death. Within your heart. In your mind. and your soul. And he can give you. A purpose to live again, irrespective of what that disappointment has been. And let's face it, those disappointments are real. They're not imaginary. They're not the figment of your imagination. They are real. But then we have got a real Savior today. We've got a real hope. We have one who can reverse that spirit. The heaviness can lift. We used to sing, didn't we? Burdens are lifted at Calvary. Jesus is very near. The heaviness is real. But it can lift. I've had my disappointments. Like you, I've put the smile on when inside there's an emptiness. 
as I sit down and hand back now to the worship group. He's not lying in a tomb beside you or behind you. He's reigning this morning in a throne before you. And he lives in your heart. A heart that has been washed clean through Jesus' precious blood. This Resurrection Sunday, I know it's the 1st of April that's referred to as April Fool's Day. This message is no April Fool. This message is real. This message can reverse every negative in your life and mine. And we can stand again and thank God. Tis done, the great transactions done. I am my Lord's and he is mine. God bless you. It's time for spuds. There we are.